0: Are you ready to head down the path to an abundant retirement? We're tackling the topics of the mind of the modern retiree, here on Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. And now, your host, Carol Dewey.
1: Welcome back to Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. I am your host, Carol Dewey, and this week we're going to do something a little different. If you've been listening to the show, you may have noticed we took a little time out. During that break, I welcomed into the world my second grandbaby and had the opportunity to take some time for reflection. One of the areas we work with clients in is estate and legacy planning. Now, that has different meanings to different families, but for me, my relationship with legacy planning goes back four generations. My great-great-great-grandfather started a print and book bindery business way back in the day. Some of you may have heard this story. He was the first to figure out how to put lines on paper and create actual ledgers. He bound books with some pretty fancy covers for back in the day. This was a business that supplied opportunities for four generations of our family. When my grandfather eventually became CEO, the company celebrated over 100 years in business. He only made it to the sixth grade, though, before he had had to go to work at the factory during World War II. He hired the best financial advisors, the best tax guys, and the best law firm in town. But nobody was talking to each other and things fell through the cracks. Through a series of unfortunate events during my college years, or really shortly after my college years, they had to close the doors forever. One of those events involved one of my uncles who worked in the business. He married, but it didn't work out. Instead of divorcing his wife, they just separated and didn't live together anymore. My uncle didn't have any natural children of his own. His wife had two children when he married her. When he died, her kids sued for his shares in the business because there was nothing in writing. The handshake agreement was your shares just went back into the family company if something happened to you. His ex-wife's kids were able to claim part ownership in the company and force a payout of the value of their shares. The company really didn't have that extra cash lying around. Now, that's just one example of the mistakes that were made. It caused not just financial stress. Family members started refusing to talk to each other, and it created turmoil within the family. There's no reason that that company shouldn't be still thriving today. I became a legacy planner because I want to help people figure out how that succession is going to happen. It's not just about owning a business we share with clients. A video of a couple giving their last words and they explain things like dad saying, you know, I'm leaving my Mustang to my son and not my daughter because we worked on it together in the garage and you helped me put it together. And that has meaning to me. And I hope for him as well. I think that's really important because without those explanations that can really tear families down. It's not just about the stuff. I do believe that those family values are things that you want to go on for generations. Legacy planning means more than just leaving your assets behind to somebody. It means your values, your virtues, family traditions, and things like that. Now, my son-in-law is an estate planning attorney. We have accounting, financial, and legal all under one roof. So we can bring all the concepts together for somebody if that's what they want or they can just take the pieces. Having all of your advisors under one roof, communicating together is going to give you better results. Again, legacy can mean many different things to many different people. It can mean leaving a financial legacy to your loved ones to help them live a better life, or to worthwhile organizations to help them help others. Or it can mean leaving an inspirational legacy sharing your experiences of a life well-lived so your passion and purpose can live on long after you're gone. Today, I'm going to share an interview I did with my son-in-law, whom I've been working with to assist my clients reach their estate and legacy planning goals and objectives. This interview was completed originally for our Legacy Leaders podcast show, of which I'm also one of the hosts. So without further ado, here's the interview. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Legacy Leaders Podcast. My name is Carol Dewey. I am a legacy leader and one of the hosts here on our podcast show. I have a special guest with me here today. His name is Ron Zmuda. I've worked with Ron now for a little while in helping my clients to achieve their estate and legacy planning goals and needs. Ron is an estate planning attorney. He's a CPA and the founder of the Zmuda Law Firm. Uh, Ron, welcome to our show. Thanks for participating today.
0: Thank you, Ger, for having me.
1: Perhaps, Ron, we can start by letting you share a little bit about your background, uh, maybe why you decided to go to law school and and choose estate planning to get into.
0: Yeah, um, so making the story as short as possible. I mean, I grew up in an accounting background, accounting family, and then there's that Adage that if you ask an accountant what one plus one is, they'll tell you two. If you ask the CPA, they said it could be three. But then if you go out and ask an attorney, the answer is always going to be the well, what do you want it to be? So growing up in that um, in that lifestyle, just in that family accounting firm where we regularly inter- interacted with attorneys, um, and having already earned my undergrad and my MBA. I just looked for what was next and what was um, the best and just dealing with attorneys regularly in our practice who have that profound knowledge of the law, just envied them and what they're able to do. And just there's certain limitations put on, we'll say CPAs and accountants that aren't existent on attorneys um, that I just strove to to get to that top get, get to the top um and then why estate planning and i guess at first it was just simply a parallel parallel to tax i was always in the tax world it was just a parallel field um, but once starting actually to practice it and get further into it I, I realized that estate planning is a lot more than just simply trying to save your clients and their families money well, yes, that's a big advantage of estate planning. Um, estate planning, I really find to be relationship planning. So not only with yourself and getting to know your clients, getting to know your um, client's family, and it's not so much a cold transaction, but it's also relationship planning as it relates to the clients and their own families. Because so often when, when a death in a family um, happens, it ends up driving the wedge in the family. So, my job is to try to prevent that and hopefully save money and time along the way.
1: Well, that sounds great. Now, would you say that you're also you, you mentioned you're, you you grew up in a in a family where it was more on the accounting side, building an accounting firm. Um, so, would you say you're kind of continuing your family legacy with adding? To what what they've already established?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say that would be a, a great way to great way to put it.
1: Okay, okay, Ron. So, um, you know, what kind of meaning does that have for you?
0: Something that I often use with clients is that what I say with estate planning is that what you're doing is giving the gift of convenience to your spouse and your kids and your family. Um, what that means is that you right now are putting the legwork, spending the time and money so that there aren't fights there aren't um, things that could potentially go wrong whether that's uh, something that's in your control now in their control later what you're doing is setting in stone what you want and i say set in stone because a lot of estate planning the majority of estate planning can be changed throughout your life so um, it's not entirely set in stone when I say that, but what you're doing is providing your your family and anyone who comes after you the gift of convenience. And any way that we can help provide that is, is what I strive to to help do.
1: Great, and you know, since I've worked with you for a little while. Um, I know that you didn't just jump out of law school and establish your own, uh, law firm. So maybe you can give us a little idea of how you got to where you are today.
0: Yeah. Um, so as we alluded earlier before, I worked in the, we'll say the family accounting firm for a while, um, before going to law school. And then after that, I worked at a AmLaw 100 firm for a handful of years, um, working with the very best, best and brightest uh, attorneys out there. And primarily the client base for that firm were the ultra high net worth clients. So that will save 20 million plus up to hundreds of million. From there, I've transitioned to more a regional si- mid-sized firm that focused more on your average person as well as those with special needs and Medicare planning so broaden the base from, from that standpoint. And that's where you really learned, at least what I call the true purpose of estate planning and how to build relationships as your, with your client, with the everyday person and more common problems. And then now for the past two or so years, been on my own bringing together the more advanced techniques learned from the first big firm and then the touch and the care that was learned from the medium firm.
1: Well, that's great. So you've got that experience from some of the ultra wealthy. Did you get to work with any celebrities?
0: I did, but, I'll leave but you can't disclose who they
1: are, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll leave that off of here.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and then, so when it comes to um, your ideal client, Um, you've got the experience of working with that ultra wealthy all the way down to maybe more of your probably what middle-class average American family. Mm -hmm. Um, So today, what would you say is your your ideal client?
0: Of course, the ideal client is the one with tens of million dollars that we need advanced planning and save their kid to save their kids millions. And then I can charge Tens of thousands of dollars are fee for. But of course, those are the ideal clients. But no. Um all, all kidding aside, I really want to say that there is an ideal client absent of one who's, you know, willing to work, who knows for the reason why they're why they're doing this. Because one of the biggest you know, misconceptions of estate planning is that it's only for the wealthy that um i i don't have millions i don't even have hundreds of thousands why am i doing this why bother so it's the ideal client would be someone who understands why and why it's important for everyone and it's my job to kind of help convey why it's um so important with the tax cut cut and jobs act that was passed a few years a few years ago which doubled the state tax exemption. And then with inflation since then, it just has skyrocketed the exemption amount. Um, Before it was only the wealthy who had to worry about estate taxes, but now it's only the extremely wealthy that have to worry about estate taxes. So that's not a concern for most people. Um, What seems to be, I shouldn't say seems to be, what is the we'll say primary motive for the vast majority of people is probate avoidance, which is the biggest driving strat- factor for most estate planning. And for most people or for people who don't know, um, every state has its own probate laws. And generally speaking, there are great laws that instruct you how your assets should be divided when you're gone. Um, four, we'll say four out of five times, it's exactly what you want. It goes to your spouse, to your kids. But laws change, and um, who knows what they'll be when that day comes down the road. So, estate planning for probate avoidance is saying to the government, basically, thank you, but no thank you. And I'm gonna, I'm going to direct how my property wants, how I want my property distributed. And not only that, um, probate and dealing with the probate court is extremely expensive, extremely time consuming. So any way that we can try to prevent that, prevent spending that, um, I would much rather have a client come in who is spend, who spends one, two, maybe $3,000 with me now, getting everything set up right, than have some, their kids come down. To me years down the road and say dad died without me knowing what to do and then end up charging them 15 20 30 thousand dollars to try to untangle a mess so my roundabout way of saying my ideal client is someone who comes in um, looking to try to give that gift of convenience to their kids and willing to work
1: now when you're working with these clients Do you find it's more than sometimes at least more than just trying to get their affairs in order? Um, I mean, uh, for me, I kind of see a little bit of a trend in um, people really wanting to pass down maybe some of their values and virtues and, and things like that. Like a beyond estate planning, more, more of a legacy planning. What do you want to leave behind?
0: Yeah. um, That is, I'll say very common and we'll say business owners, it's common across the board, but it's very common business owners and people who have created a a business, have employees that they have a culture that they have learned and drive from their own personal life that they want to keep the business going, but not only um, the business, but like I said, it's drive them from their personal life that they want to make sure that their kids and family kind of are still involved in the same involved in the same things, involved in the same morals way to take care. So we, we try to build in while you can't necessarily force a lot of things onto them. You try to build in wants and needs and then have supplemental kind of documents. And then it goes kind of back to. The relationship planning that I said towards the beginning, especially if you have older children that we want to have family meetings that kind of talk about what it, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So definitely we, we try to um, keep everyone involved and pass along the, the legacy, so to speak, is that you've built.
1: Right. Well, are there any like common misconceptions or things that you find that what I used to, what I always called those things where people think they know that just aren't. So
0: yeah, the, the biggest one is definitely that the estate planning is only for the wealthy. Um, That is something that if you have any assets at all, if you have a house, if you have, you know, anything, outside of, we'll say, bare minimum estate planning is for you. Um you don't necessarily need the biggest most elaborate series of trusts and cascading things that flow into each other like the extremely wealthy do, but just estate planning in general is for you. Um and then the the biggest another one of the biggest misconceptions is um When we come into like special needs planning, um that social workers are do an amazing job, but they're so overwhelmed that they often provide answers that is what is easiest and not so much what what is right. And um the biggest example of this is Oftentimes, when you have a special needs child approaching approaching age eighteen, social workers will often say, "Well, we need to give put them in a guardianship right now." Um, But guardianships are extremely intrusive; it strips the kids' um, rights entirely, uh, and we try to strive to, you know, see that goal of goal of independence with a special need child it may or may not ever never come but to strip the rights right off from right off the bat isn't what we try to do so there's other techniques out there that um we want to do so a a misconception is more that estate planning isn't necessarily for for them it, it's more for People who are planning for your own your own life end of life planning when it's really your entire entire holistic family planning.
1: Okay. Well, is there anything? Is there any? Do you recall any particular stories that you can share about something um, because of lack of planning that went horribly wrong?
0: Um, I'll keep it general and say that just dealing with probate um probate in the probate court I do a, a lot of um, probate administrations and people do not realize how costly and I'm um, how much time it takes. on average and it takes about six to seven months it, if you do every single thing right it might be four months but on average it's six to seven months and that's six to seven months without you having access to the money that was left behind it's just sits there in the court going on and on as you wait for it and file document after document so the story of what goes wrong is anytime anyone has to deal with the probate courts because it is something that can be completely avoided. We can have your um, your estate set up that the next day, the next day after you're gone, that your kids are able to get, your spouse, your kids are able to get to your assets and start to pay for your last expenses and you know receive their inheritance without having to wait so long and dip into their own pocket to pay those expenses.
1: Yeah. Um... I've worked with families both who've had their affairs in order and and those that have had to go through probate. And, you know, it's not something that's fun, especially after you've you're, you know, mourning the loss of somebody in the first place. Yeah. It's it can be not the best situation um, for everyone. Is there um any particular challenge that you can think of as when you're working with clients, um, particularly?
0: Yeah, the biggest challenge that I come across is just making sure that they know that it's not just not just me, not just coming in, getting documents signed, and then it's done. Um, we work with you closely, and at the very end, right after the signing meeting. The next thing we do is provide you with a a list of how to name your beneficiary designations which if you have a lot of accounts um this is a bit of legwork legwork on your end which more than happy to help and hold your hand work through but it's still stuff that you as the client have to do you have to go and talk to the banks um and if you don't do it then you know, a lot of what we draft is still useful, but it doesn't achieve its full potential if, so for example, you have a trust, but even if you don't have a trust, but just using a trust an example, if the trust never gets funded, then it's just an empty bucket sitting there waiting. So the biggest challenge is for when the client walks off, walks out of the office to make sure that they know that, you know, the job's not done. And I'm here to help them finish it, but it's not done right when you sign.
1: So, do you would you say that something that kind of makes you a little bit unique in that you're not just caring about the the first step of the process? That um, what we call funding the trust or funding, you know, mm-hmm. making sure all those ancillary pieces happen.
0: Yeah, I, I would say there are a lot of a lot of attorneys, a lot a lot of attorneys that do it the right way, which I'm trying to say is to um, make sure that everything is funded out. But there are also those out there that are just happy to sign over the documents and then say see you later. So unfortunately, that's that's true. So you need to make sure you're with someone who um, tells you what the next step are and. Gives you instructions because these documents are going to be out here for hopefully and client by client, but hopefully decades along and things are going to happen. So you need to know what to do as as those decades roll on to make sure the plan stays stays current.
1: So what do you like best about what you do in working with with the clients?
0: Yeah, what what I like best is relationships um you're really it's not a cold transactional area of law you try to get to know people um it's one that is ever evolving and hopefully you i become your attorney meaning if you ever have any problems um i know i'm fairly narrow i can't come to me for when you run a speed, getting, get a speeding ticket, but you know, you can come to me and ask any kind of question out there and I can try to point you in the right direction, but um it's just trying to build that relationship and it just not be the, you know, one and done churn out and, you know, see you later.
1: Right. So really your ideal client is somebody that you feel like you're going to get to know very well, know their family, know their, what they're trying, their values, their virtues, what they're trying to leave behind and develop that lifelong relationship with. Exactly. Okay. And so how do these people find you?
0: So certainly. Um, So I know through you, Carol, and then I have a handful of other great relationships, um, but absent of those um, you can find me on my online, my website is zlawfirm.org, zlawfirm.org. Um, and then there's a, just contact me and reach out anytime.
1: That sounds great. Um, well, Ron, thanks for sharing with us today. I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to be available to kind of share some nuggets with us and our audiences and i appreciate you and everything you've done for my clients as well and i look forward to chatting with you again sometime
0: thanks for having me it's a pleasure
1: thanks take care okay. i invite you to get the answers you need about your financial plan in one of our exploratory meetings to receive the benefits of a valuable fiduciary second opinion and net retirement income analysis a social security maximization report a blueprint of your current portfolio, a tax consultation through the four stages of retirement, or an estate planning review. Schedule your consultation now. There's no obligation. That's all I've got planned for you this week. Until next time, remember that navigating your abundant retirement starts today. I'd like to encourage you to continue our journey of enlightenment and education by subscribing to our podcast and downloading the show. See you next week.
0: You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes as a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of returns are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. Carol Dewey is an investment advisor representative of Perpetual Wealth Financial, a Florida-registered investment advisor firm.